Masichet Ketubot, Daf Sadi Tet. We're talking about a case where someone sends an agent and says, go and sell on my behalf a half of a cord. But he goes and, send, and sells more than he was asked for. He sold for him a full cord. So here do we say that the first cord, the half that he sold, well there the agent was doing what the sender sent him to do, so that's a valid sale. But the second half is invalid because he was not authorized. Or do we say, since he changed the uh, instructions, so therefore the agent is not an agent at all. And even the first half that he sold is invalid. Um, in other words, if the agent adds to what the sender sent him to do, uh, then is the entire agency totally invalid? Or do you say he's just adding? So the added part is invalid, but the base amount is okay. That's the first question. Later on in this stuff, we're going to get to the opposite question. If an agent, if an agent does less than he is sent to do, then is that, part, is that valid or is that entire thing invalid? Okay, so that's the question. We attempted one proof yesterday, but it didn't work. And now we're going to attempt a proof from our Mishnah. Tashema. Hayta kitubata mane. U machra shave mane vidinar be mane mechra batel. If the kituba was worth one mane, uh, this is the second case in the Mishnah, second of three cases in the Mishnah. Uh, so the, she was she's owed a hundred. And she goes, the widow goes and uh, repossesses, uh, seizes a piece of land that's worth 101. So she possessed more, she took more than is her rightful, um, uh, than she has a right to. She sold it for money, for only 100. Notice she got uh, not, not a great price for it, not a fair price. Uh, when she does that, her the sale is invalid no good uh, basically because she took more land than she was authorized to take but the Mishnah is going to go on and say even though she returns the extra dinad it's still no good so even though the orphans aren't actually losing out any money it's still invalid so let's try to figure out what exactly is the case and maybe we can use this to prove an answer to our uh, to, to our question and prove that in fact it's no good right that it's a uh, void so here, my love. So let's interpret, uh, hypothesize that we interpret the Mishnah the following way. Maybe the land was worth 101 and she sold it for 101. Uh, unlike what it seems to say. When it says that she sold it for 100, what the Mishnah means to say is she sells and, and, and covers her entire amount of her ketubah, which is a hundred. Um, and she has an extra dinad left over. And then the second part, what does it mean? That even if she returns the, the extra dinad, that means that is adding uh, an, an added case that even if she uh, goes and takes that dinad, buys back uh, that amount of land and returns to the orphans, uh, land worth a dinad. In that case, you might think it's totally fine because she took 101 worth of land. She sold it all, kept a hundred dollar, hundred dinad for her ketubah, got the other dinad, got the land back, returned the land. So the orphans have exactly what they're supposed to have, 
right? They gave up one uh, land worth a hundred, and she has a hundred, so everything's back to a perfect. What is what what the supposed what the goal is supposed to be? So you might have thought it's fine, and yet it says the sale is void. So what can we learn from here? An answer to our question, because the she was we're picturing the orphans of the, as if they're the senders and the widow as if she's the messenger. And so because the sender said, you are authorized to sell 100, and she goes and sells more, the sale is invalid, even though she's doing more, and it includes the the, the 100. Um, nevertheless, we don't say that the part that she um, is authorized to do is valid, and the extra part is invalid. No, because she, once you change the instructions, she does something different than what she's authorized. The whole sale to begin with was invalid, and they're going to have to go and do it all over again. So this reading, a hypothesized reading, would be a good proof that the entire thing is is invalid. But we're going to reject it. No, maybe it's talking about read the Mishnah in its uh, regular Peshat way, which is uh, she took land that's worth 101 and she got a bad deal. She um, She discounted it. And she only got a hundred, so that's why it's invalid because it's an error in sale. You know, if I send you to go and sell on my behalf and you get a bad price, then it's invalid. I didn't, I, I didn't ask you to uh, to uh, do a bad job to ruin things for me. Right? I'm asking you to do a, a, a competent job, and so maybe that's why. And actually, there's no proof from here. And now we say, no, nope, let's uphold the proof. Look at the third case of the Mishnah. That's a case where she does, in fact, give, sell it for a reduced price, um, and it's invalid. So we already know that. So we wouldn't need the second clause to teach me the same thing. What's the third clause? The last uh, case in the Mishnah was where, was where she's owed 400 and she sells four pieces of land to cover that. The first three are worth 100 and she sells them for 100, so that's totally fine. But the last one was worth 101, but she got a reduced, uh, she sold it for a reduced price of 100 and that is invalid. And isn't that because uh, she got a bad price and so she didn't therefore did a bad job as a messenger and that's why. Uh, but the other three are, uh, are fine. Uh, because she, she got a good price. So we already know that a messenger who who gets a bad price, uh, the the sale is void. I know that from the third case of the Mishnah, so therefore I don't need it for the second case of the Mishnah. And therefore, since the third case of the Mishnah, the last case of Mishnah is where she got a reduced price, it must be the second uh, case of the Mishnah is where she did not get a reduced price. She got the right price, 101. And nevertheless, it's no good. So our proof is, is uh, upheld that a messenger who does more than asked is not is nullified. No, in fact, it could be that both of these clauses, the second and third clause, are both where she, in fact, reduced, uh, the, reduced the price. And so there's no proof. And the third case is still necessary because it's adding some, an extra point. In the third case, by adding uh, the, that there's four pieces of land and saying that in the first three cases, um, had she 
taken 101 and sold it for 100, that would be fine because there it's she's losing out on herself um, because uh, the she's entitled to take 101 for the first piece of land and second and third uh, because she stole old owed even more than that and she and she gets a bad price for it. She's going to swallow the loss, right? And she's gonna just not be able to collect as much. She got 101. That's considered 101 off of the tab of the orphans and she uh even though she only has a hundred in her pocket so i would uh so so therefore um uh, this teaches me that if it's uh, just her loss then it is a valid sale um but when it's the last piece of land and there then the orphans are going to suffer the loss then it's invalid so i wanted to teach us that by contrasting and say only the last one is invalid but the first three sales were they 101 for 100 those would be valid and so that that's why we need the the third case hold on we ask actually we already know this principle from the very first clause of the mishnah that says uh, the first case of the Mishnah, if we remember, was when she was owed 200 and she sold 100 for 200, or she was owed, uh, or she was owed again, owed 200, but she sold a piece of land worth 200 only for 100. The sale is valid and it's considered as if it's entirely paid. So from this uh, second part of the first clause, where she got land that's worth 200, she, she undersold it. For only a hundred, still it's valid, and she eats the loss. So we already know that when she gets land that is a proper amount of land, right? In this, like in this case, and she undersells it, the sale is valid, and she eats the loss. We already know that from the first clause. So I do not need the third clause to teach me that. Um, so we answer. Actually, we do. I might think only in the first clause where by doing the sale, she's out of the house completely, meaning that's case closed. She got a land worth 200 and therefore um, they say, okay, goodbye. We don't have to deal with you anymore. And there, that's where the sale is valid and she eats the loss. But in the, in the third case, I might have thought that I should make a gezera. If in the first uh, pieces, three pieces of land, she sold 101 and undersold it and only got 100, I might have thought I should make a gezera, even though in that case, technically, it's okay. But if I allow it in the first three cases, I might think that even for the fourth piece of land, also it will be valid. But that's not true because if the fourth piece of land, the orphans are going to eat the loss. So maybe I should make a gezera. That's why I need the third case to teach me. And no, I would would not um, I, I would not make a gezera, and so that's why I actually need the first case and the third case as well. Okay, the bottom line is we have no proof from our Mishnah that um, if an agent does more than uh, was asked, that the um, uh, that the sale is completely invalid because we're not actually talking about a case where the agent does more uh, than is asked. We're talking about a, a case where the agent um, undersells uh, what uh, she is authorized to sell. And the reason the sale is invalid is because she got a bad price. And so the sender can say, oh, I didn't send you to get a bad price. And so the whole thing is invalid. But we can't learn anything um, about the case where the agent does more 
than is asked for. Okay, now we have a whole nother version of this discussion with the opposite question. According to this is don't do not ask the question regarding what we just said when um the the sender says go sell on my behalf a half of a cord worth of land, and he does more and sends a whole cord. In that case, surely we say he's adding, and the first half cord he sells is valid, and the second he's doing on his own and is invalid. So the additional just adds to the, um, the, uh, the, the job that he was sent to do, so the job he was sent to do is valid. The, that is an easy case. What we, we really want to know is the opposite. The question is, if he says, go and sell me a full cord, and he does, he doesn't do the whole thing, he just sells a half a cord, and he comes back. Do we say that the agent can say, I did what is good for you? See, people, it's always better to have land uh, than to have cash, and people are only going to sell land because they need the cash. So the agent can come and say, I did you a favor, because now you sold half, Maybe the cash that you got will be sufficient for whatever you need. And then if you always, if you need the rest, you can always sell the rest. So I did you a favor by doing only half at a time. Uh, and therefore it is valid. Um, because if you realize you don't need the money, then you won't be able to reverse it. After you sell it, it's a lot harder to, to buy it back. The guy you sold it to may not want to sell it back to you. But if you don't sell it yet, um, you could always have a chance to sell it later. So I did you a favor by going and doing it a little bit at a time. Do we say that and is valid? Or the sender can say, I don't want to have so many bills of sale. I don't want to send a piecemeal. And then each one is going to generate a, a separate bill of sale because I don't want to have so many bills of sale. People look at look at that and they say, oh, look how he's selling off his his land piecemeal, a little now, a little later, right? Like, uh, you know, like I'm impoverished and I have to keep selling. I'd rather have one sale, right? And even if it's a bigger sale than many sales, I have to deal with all the paperwork. So the messenger, the, the sender can say, I didn't want that. All right, so that's the two sides of the question. Now we have an attempt at, an attempt at an answer. Amarabi Khanina Misura Tashima Natan lo dinar shel zahav Vamalo habeli chaluk we have the following Mishnah from Masechet Me'ilah. Someone gave to his, to, his, to his agent one Zahav. That's equal to six Sela. And he instructed him, go and buy me a robe. One robe, four, that's going to be worth six Sela, a nice robe. Now, what did the messenger do? He went and bought a cheaper or a smaller robe for only three Sela. And with the three Sela left over, he bought a cloak. And so now he got two items. Uh, and turns out that that money that he originally you gave him was sacred money. He, he does that, doesn't get it as Kodesh. They were not allowed to use it. So anyone who spends money that is Kodesh uh, violates Merilah. If it's the sender that, auth that authorizes the messenger, then the sender is liable. If the messenger acts on his own, the messenger is liable. In this case, the Mishnah says both of them are liable. Why would both of them be liable? If we say that 
Um, although the messenger did less than was requested, he was requested to buy something, a robe for six, he bought a robe only for three, a lesser robe. Um, so then it makes sense that it is a valid messengership. And in that case, the messenger acted on behalf of the sender. And so that's why the sender violates for those three. And the messenger himself violates for the other three that he bought a talit with. And that's why both of them are liable. He's just adding to what, um, to what was, uh, his, his job was. And that's why it was a valid messengership. And so the sender is liable. But if you say, no, he changed his word. He didn't buy a robe for six. He bought a robe for three. And if you say doing less is changing the instruction, and any change of the instruction is not a valid messengership, he's not acting on his behalf, then why did the send, why does the sender um, get, receive a liability for me'ila? Okay, this seems to be a good proof, but we reject it. And we say, We're talking about a case where the agent was able to find a sale. July 4th sale, he was able to find a robe that's worth six sela, but he only paid three for it. And that's why he fulfilled the job that he was sent for. He said, the sender said, go and get me a six sela robe. And he did. He got a, a robe that's worth six sela, even though... He only paid three selah for it, and then he bought an extra item too. So maybe that's why uh, there is me'ilah for the host, because the messenger did fulfill the words that he sent exactly. Okay, so now we ask, If so, then what did the messenger do? Right, the messenger did exactly what the instructions were. So why why does he violate me'ilah? The answer is atalit, because of the talit that he bought. Yeah, he's, he's lucky he got a sale, but with the three extra coins, he used them on his own, with his own authority to buy a talit, and that thereby he gets his own me'ilah. All right, so this uh, would seem to work and therefore reject the proof but uh, we have to work it with the continuation of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah disagrees with Tanakhama and says, in this case where the messenger bought a robe for three and a talit for three, the sender does not commit me'ilah because the sender can tell the messenger, I wanted a big talit, um, and you brought me a small one, and so therefore you did zero. It's not, it's not like the case of land where you sold half the amount of land, but you can always go and sell, sell, the, sell more of the land. And so in this case, he brought something that's different from what he wanted, and therefore the only the messenger is liable, the host is not liable, the sender is not liable at all. Now, if you say that the uh, messenger was able to get a really good deal and got a six sela robe for three sela, so then well, that's what he was sent to. He says, go get me, here's six sela, buy a robe. And uh, therefore, it's, how could a biudah disagree? Because he got a, um, a, a, a robe that is normally worth six sela. So he fulfilled the mission. If he fulfilled the mission, then the sender should be liable. The answer is, when he says, you brought me one that's small and of inferior quality. Well, it's true. It's not of inferior quality compared to what he had in mind when he sent but is inferior in its monetary value. Because the sender can say, can say, if you had spent all six 
at that same sale, then you could have gotten me an, a really nice uh, robe that would be worth 12. I wanted to invest six Ella in the best robe possible. And even though I had in mind uh, you know, what the, the usual price, if you were able to get a better price, that's what I wanted. Right? I wanted to go tell my friends, look at this robe. You know how much I spent for it? I spent six Ella. Now I can only tell them I, I, I spent three Ella. So um, e, e, that's why e, even if we uh, reject, we, we reject the proof before. And in fact, the messenger uh, bought something uh, that was worth six sela, and before uh, uh, he, he he got it for three sela. That's why he fulfills his uh, messengership according to the Nakama and according to the Biuda. No, because I, the sender can say, "I wanted you to spend all six sela to get the best possible." And in fact, this uh, is not. We're not just getting out of the proof, but this seems to be the correct reading uh, from a careful language of the Mishnah. Even the Biuda, who says that the sender does not commit me'ila in the case of a robe, would agree that the sender does commit me'ila if he says, go buy legumes for, you know, go buy six selah worth of legumes, and he ends up coming back with three, that both of them do get me'ila. Uh, Why? Because legumes, you, they, they, you get the same... Uh, quality and amount of uh, legumes uh, proportionally for a sela as for a peruta. Uh, this is something that has a set set given price, and uh, therefore the biuda says if you sent him and he came back with less legumes, or even if he got a sale and got the same amount of legumes for uh, less money, uh, then he still did do the mess fulfill the messengership of the sender because legumes are legumes you can't say oh i wanted a better quality it's not the same as a cloak where you could say i wanted uh, a robe worth six uh, six like six uh, sela uh, legumes he got he got the the amount that was requested and therefore even a that would agree that they committed me'ila. Now, last uh, uh, clarification, and what kind of case are we talking about? What kind of case are we talking about? If we're talking about a case, uh, a place where they sell legumes by appraising some article of value. You give an article, I want this much of legume, and he says, well, it's a really nice item, and he'll give more legumes for both. It'll give a better a better price for something really um, uh, Im impressive. Um, in that case, actually, the um, when he gave him a sela, then if he bought if he had bought more, he would have gotten a better price for bulk. And so we can't be talking about that that place because then the sender can say, "I wanted you to get a lot to get a better bulk price," and he would still have a claim. And then it would not it would be an invalid sale, and so the sender would not be chayav meila. So so rather, the papa explains, we're talking about a case not where they sell it by bulk, but they sell it for a piruta at a time, right? And you keep, you, know, you just buy the zone, they, they don't have the big box. They only have these little canisters of the legumes and you have to pay the same price no matter how much you buy. 
And because it's in such a place, the sender cannot say, "Oh, you didn't do what I you, you didn't do what I asked. Uh, you didn't you didn't buy in bulk." Um, he because he did. He brought he he brought the amount uh, that was requested. And if he got a sale and got it for less money, or if he didn't get a sale and he got it for the same money. Um, it's the same thing. He can't say, I wanted better quality, um, like the case of the robe. So that's, in that case, Rabbi Yehuda, uh, even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that the messenger set, did fulfill the messenger ship. We now have one last proof, this time from our Mishnah, that an agent that does less than they were sent to do uh, is still valid. So let's see. From the last clause of our Mishnah, that the widow goes ahead and she's owed 400. So technically, we can think of it as the orphans are the uh, senders authorizing the widow, the agent, to sell land worth 400. So good. So she's supposed to sell land worth 400 which we would expect that would be 400 at once. And instead, she does only 100 at a time. And uh, nevertheless, the, that, that's fine. The last one is no good because it was supposed to be, she, she took 101 and sold it for 100. So she was not authorized to do that last one. But the first three, Kulan, are valid, even though that first one and two and three, um, she did less than she was authorized to do. Uh, nevertheless, that is valid. So we can answer the question up above that it is valid. And even though it's going to generate more paperwork and more, uh, more contracts, it still is valid. But then we reject the proof, not necessarily. We can answer as Rav Shisha did in a different context, who said they're talking about small pieces of land. It's not that it was one giant piece of land worth 400, and she split it up and sold 100 to one person, another 100 to a different person, and so on. But rather, they were already small parcels of land that she had to sell separately 100 at a time. And so if since it could be that case, there would be no proof from there is there is no proof from this case uh, whether uh, if if it was one big land and she sold it piecemeal that she did less than her agency if that that would be valid uh, here it was no choice she had to do um, she had to split it up in this way so we end with no answer. Okay, now a um, a related question. Peshita amar leachad velo lishnayim. Uh, so similarly, if a, a sender sends to uh, uh, tells an, he tells an agent, I want you to sell this to one person and not to two people. Again, for the same reason as above, that I like uh, I like having one bigger sale. I don't like the smaller sales. I don't like having all that paperwork, all that uh, to, to, to the extra work to have to deal with. Also, it looks like he has to keep selling like he's desperate to sell everything off. So he says to one and not to two, then that then he has to sell to one. And if the agent goes and sells to two, then it's no good because he directly disregarded the um, instructions. But what if he just says sell to one person and he didn't say not to two? Then does he mean no absolute for two not, or is just showing a preference or a general style of uh, uh, speaking? Sell it to someone, um, but he would be fine with uh, selling it to two people as well.
This is the subject of Machloket. Rav Huna Amar Lechad Ve'lod Shnayim. Rav Huna says, even in that case, if he says one, even if he didn't say, and not two, nevertheless, it means, I want really one person. Rav Chista Bar Rav Huna Damre Tarvayhu, Rav Chista, and the son of Rav Huna, I guess the son disagreed with his father, uh, said, He said, sell to one person, but he meant sell it to someone. But even if it was two, or even if a hundred people, as long as you sell it, that's fine. Because he did, he did not specify, and not two people. All right, so we have Machloket here. One time, Rav Nachman came to Suda, where these sages lived. And the ones here that were lenient and said, yes, they can sell it to two and a hundred, came and uh, they uh, uh, came to Rav Nachman to ask him about this. What's your opinion about it? He says, I agree with you that he can uh, sell it, the agent can sell it to even two, even a hundred people, if the sender does not specify. So against Ravuna. So then they try, they, they, they see Rav Nachman is, is being lenient and agreeing with them, so they are, they're pushing their luck. They said, what if, uh, would that be true, even if the agent made a mistake, meaning they sold, he undervalued it when he sold it and he got a bad deal. See, since you're already agreeing that, you know, if he doesn't sell to one, he can sell to two and hundred, it's still a good, it's still an, it's still the, he's still considered an agent. Uh, how about if he undersells? And the man says, I didn't say anything about um, an error. Now, for sure, that would be no good. Hold on, they ask. Aren't you the one, Rav Nachman, you're the opinion that there is no such thing as ona'a regarding land. Ona'a is overcharging or undercharging. If I sell you a camera that's worth 100 and I sell it for 200 you have a right to come back and say, hey, you overcharged me. That's true for items, but not for land, because land does not have a set value. Sometimes people are willing to pay a lot for a land. They just like that location, right? It's very special, very important to them. And some people will pay more and some people will pay a lot less. And uh, we don't consider it overcharging because land, land, the value of land can fluctuate a lot, as we see. Okay, so therefore, um, so didn't you say that there's no ona'a, and therefore if there's no set value for, uh, for land, then even if the agent undersells it, it should still be valid. Yes, that is true if it's the owner of the land that uh, made, uh, made an error and uh, undersold it, then we, we don't say, oh, you, you can go get your money back because you undersold it. Sometimes people are willing to sell things for, for less uh, and they're under pressure and um, the, right, the market varies wildly. That's true for the owner. There's no ona'a. But the sheikh does not have that leeway. The agent, uh, the seller, can, the sender can send, tell the agent, I sent you to ma- do something for my benefit, not to my je- detriment. You went and you sold it, you undervalued it. No, the agent cannot do that. If the seller says, you know, I'm really desperate, I want to sell it for less, they can do that. But if the agent does it, then it's invalid. And how do we know in general that there should be any difference between what the owner does and what an agent does? We can see it from this Mishnah in Masechet Terumot. 
Torem kedat bal habayit. If uh, I own I own some produce and I tell an agent, can you go take Turuma for me? So then the agent should do it according to my wishes. Um, if they know me, right, usually I'm very generous, then they'll give it generously. If they know I'm very stingy, then they should give less, uh, uh, separate less, because Turuma has no set value. It's uh, You can get, determine as, as much as you want. If the agent doesn't know how much the owner uh, uh, usually gives, and if he's stingy or, or a generous person, then he should do the medium amount, which is 2%, 1 in 50. That's the, that's the average, and so just do that. If the agent does 10 less or 10 more, meaning a 40th or a 60th, if he's off by that amount uh, from the middle, that's also valid because you give some leeway to the agent, right? But if he does more, if you would give a 30th, a 20th, uh, then the owner can come and say, I never wanted to give that much. Nobody give people, most people don't give that much. And then the agent is no good. So here we see that an agent is limited in his agency. He has to get it about right. Uh, what the owner would want. That if the owner, he, he put his hand, he says, whatever my hand, whatever I get with my hand is going to be teruma, and turns out he, he got a 20th of the produce, then that is teruma. He can't say, oh, I didn't mean it. Uh, so uh, he can't change his mind later on. That becomes teruma. So we see that an owner he has a right to um, to uh, grossly overvalue or undervalue, give a lot more and give a lot less, even though his agent does this. If the agent does the same thing, it's not valid. So we see that's true regarding teruma, and this is a a model that we could say is true for the land value also. An owner can overvalue or underval undersell his land, but an agent cannot do the same. Okay, um, one more point regarding uh, people being particular about having too many documents out there and all that paperwork. So back to the last part of the Mishnah, we see here that she can sell, uh, she, she, even though she's owed 400, she's, it's permitted for her to sell 100 at a time. Um, and the, the last one is only invalid because she sold too much land. Uh, but uh, the, uh, otherwise, if she sold each one for 400, all four of them, then it would be valid even though she's selling it piecemeal and she's general, ge generating a lot of documents. So can we prove from here? that people are okay with having a lot of documents and having their land sold to many people? Uh, and the answer is not necessarily. As we saw already, the sugya before was actually quoting this. Before I said, So this is the um, earlier part of it, uh, chronologically. So he said, no, we're talking about uh, small pieces of land that have to be sold individually. And so that, that case is certainly okay for the widow to sell them individually. Um, but we can't prove here one way or another. Uh, perhaps people would mind uh, selling, if it could be sold as one big piece of land with one contract, then people would, uh, owners would be particular and want their agent to do that. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen v'Amen.